Hello everyone and welcome back to Happy Human Club. I'm Soph Mosca. I'm the host of this podcast and you guys, I've said it once and I'll probably say it again, but I'm back. <laughs> I know it has been a long time coming because every time I would get back to my podcast, I would just have like a billion things going on and then I would be gone for like another month and I'm sorry like life has just been so crazy this entire year I have traveled so much I moved across the country I did a cross-country road trip like so much has happened this year and it's just so different from last year where although I did travel like a decent amount last year I was just home all the time just healing and healing and healing and I just like I had nothing but myself and I just recorded so frequently and so things have just been different this year but it's not to say I don't love my podcast any less and it's not to say I don't miss you guys so much I just have had so many more opportunities and things on my plate like that took up time and I don't know it's just it's been like a lot of good things And we'll talk about in the episode, like, kind of how I've been feeling. But I just wanted to, again, for, like, the hundredth time, apologize for being MIA. Um, But I am very excited to be back. And I'm officially settled in to my new apartment. Which I feel like most people know just because I don't think I have any exclusive podcast listeners. Like, everyone that listens to my podcast follows me on other platforms, I would assume. And... So I'm assuming everyone knows that I recently moved from Florida where I lived for the past three-ish years and I moved to Los Angeles, California and I'm living in an apartment with just myself and my dog and at first it was a really interesting, challenging change, just adjusting, but I am feeling more uh, immersed in my space. My apartment definitely feels like home and I feel very comfortable here and I yeah I'm definitely like starting to fill my space with myself and it definitely feels like me and when I first moved in it was hard because I my lease started about a month before my furniture got here from Florida so I'd come in and it just felt so sorry my iPad if anyone knows how to turn off the sound on my iPad please please tell me because I don't know how to shut it off. So if that's going off a lot, sorry. But um, I would come in like open packages and like when I was building my uh, kitchen table because that came like before my furniture, it just was like, it felt like an apartment that was like belonged to me, but it didn't feel like home and it didn't feel like my space. And it just was like really challenging because I worried that it wouldn't feel like my space. I think especially because oh my gosh, I'm like going on a tangent. I haven't even like gotten to the introduction, but uh, I think it was also just because my last apartment, the second I was there, I just felt safer and more at peace and very at home. But I think the reason for that, it wasn't necessarily that it was the apartment, although I did love that apartment so much. Uh, I think it was more just that like, I was in like the apartment I was in before that obviously just carried like a lot of energy that was hard on me because I was going through a breakup and I was like still in that space just without the other person it was just like a lot on me 
and you guys like saw that process but as soon as I left that space I think I just like obviously instantly felt better and because of that like my apartment in Tampa just immediately felt like home and I worried that this place wouldn't because it didn't immediately feel like home but it definitely does now especially as soon as I got Augie it felt very very homey to me so that's great that's good news before we talk anymore because I have a hot cup of coffee and that means I'm not going to shut up extra I just want to quickly plug my social media so if you guys aren't already following me on all my other social media platforms it's just at sofmosca on everything except for snapchat is s-o-p-h-e-r-r-r i also have a passes account which is like exclusive content i would say it's more pg-13 borderline r rated content and it's exclusive to my subscribers on there so definitely check that out we have a lot of fun over on there and yeah so that's just my little my little thing also i have like a threads account if you guys don't follow me on threads that's at soap mosque as well but anywho so i mentioned that i just you know moved and settled into my apartment and i also just actually made a trip back to florida i spent a few days in orlando with my girlfriend and her family because they had a family vacation in disney and invited me along so of course i went and it was super fun. I learned I can't really do any rides anymore. I think I could have done roller coasters. Okay, so let me like preface. So I pretty much since I was like 12, haven't been able to do spinny rides. Like any sort of spin I could never do. I would get super motion sick because I also get like super car sick and super um, seasick and things like that. And on top of that, I have emetophobia, fear of vomiting and just throw up in general. So I think part of it is when I'm even near those rides at amusement parks, I get like very anxious because I'm like, okay, someone could throw up next to me. Someone could throw up outside the ride. Like I just like start to panic. But um, I haven't really ever been able to do those. And I've always loved roller coasters and I've never had an issue with roller coasters. So I went to Disney and I obviously was going to stray away from the spinning rides. I don't even attempt them because it's just like not worth it to me. It just gives me a lot of anxiety. But I had all the plans to do the um, roller coasters. But I got a little bit nervous because I, if you guys, I don't know if I told this on the podcast, but I know I talked about it on YouTube. I had a really scary experience uh, a couple months ago. I was on an airplane and my insulin pump, if you guys didn't know, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I feel like I don't need to preface that because I feel like everyone already knows. But so I wear an insulin pump and my insulin pump must have been leaking into me because I had like a very, very sudden, unexpected low blood sugar emergency. And I like it, it didn't make sense for like the insulin I had on board. It didn't make sense just in general. Like it's hard to explain unless you live with type 1 diabetes, but like, you know, 0.1 unit of insulin with me sitting down not eating or drinking anything like whatever I had like it said I had like barely barely any insulin on board and it like that uh, the amount I had had never sent me low ever especially for like what I had eaten and things like that and like sitting on the plane and all of a sudden I'm like severely low having very intense symptoms and I had sugar with me of course I always do but 
I had like fruit leathers with me because it was kind of my bad. I only had fruit leathers. Those don't work like the quickest ever. But because I, you know, I have a strategy for airplanes. Like I purposely don't eat super high carb because I'm going to be sitting. And also I don't want to deal with a lot of insulin on board and things like that. And so I don't really ever have like low blood sugar issues on airplanes because I'm usually like kind of running high on airplanes anyways. So I've never like needed anything super duper quick, even though that's like so stupid of me. And like, I know I should always be prepared, but that was just like, you know, you can't carry everything and I have to already bring so much. And so that was just like my strategy at the time. And I had a really intense low blood sugar and I didn't expect it. So I wasn't prepared. And like, obviously you can never expect it. I'm sorry. Don't literally, I don't want, I don't want the DMS about how stupid and dangerous that was. Like, I know I should have been more prepared. But we were like landing and I'm like panicking like, oh my God, I'm about to die right now. Like I don't have enough sugar with me and like I'm landing on an airplane right now. Like what the hell am I supposed to do? So I'm like ringing the call button. The flight attendant comes over and she's like taking forever to bring me the juice, even though I said it was an emergency. <laughs> like, oh, it was just a lot. But anyways, that happened one time and that's not even like really something that Omnipod, my pump says can happen. But roller coasters, I believe, maybe I'm talking out of my butt right now, I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure they say that roller coasters can cause your pump to leak because of the change in the sudden change in like altitude and just like how fast you're going. Either that's from Omnipod directly or I've just heard other diabetics say that happened to them. I honestly don't know. But the more I thought about it, the more I just started to worry because I remember how scary that was because part of like how you fix a low blood sugar is like you kind of look at how much insulin you have in you so if like you don't have that much insulin you probably don't need that much sugar to bring you back up to in range blood sugar but like if you have a lot of insulin on board you need like a lot more sugar and so one of the reasons why that low blood sugar on the plane was so scary was because I was treating it like it was just a mild low like but then because it had been leaking so much insulin into me I don't even know how much like I had no idea that I needed so much more sugar than I was like giving myself and um i was afraid that that would happen <laughs> on the roller coaster and so i just kind of sat them out i mean really we weren't going on too many rides we were mostly doing the walking and eating type of vibe to disney like you can do like the ride disney thing or you can do you know you do the eat around the world and things of that nature so we kind of like we were already leaning more towards that so that we like we didn't even go on that many rides total but uh yeah i went on a water slide though and that was totally fine but that's completely different than uh obviously a roller coaster but yeah so i sat that out and i went on i learned also that i can't do like the virtual reality rides those are like the worst ones i went on a ride i forget what it was uh, maybe Guardian guardians of the galaxy maybe actually i have no idea but uh Wait, it might have been Star... Okay, actually, I have zero clue what ride it was. But it's... We got to, like, the first part of the ride, which is, like, not even the ride, but, like, you're in this, like... You're in this thing, and it, like, pretends it's driving, like, moving. And it was, like, not even really doing anything, and I was getting so sick just because, like, the sensation of moving without actually moving was, like, messing with me so bad. It was, like, the equivalent to, like reading in a uh in a car like it was just so bad 
and luckily like i literally lucked out so bad so good what i literally lucked out so much there we go because the ride broke down <laughs> so we only like went to that one section and then they like made us get out and um yeah, so I, I learned that I can't really do any rides. I think I still would have been totally fine, like motion sickness wise on roller coasters because those have never even made me like a little bit sick. And I like love the feeling of my stomach dropping. I think it's so fun. But I just didn't go on any because um, I was just anxious, which looking back on, I'm a little bit like frustrated with myself just because I try not to let diabetes stop me from doing things like that. Like I usually much rather just like do it and then deal with whatever consequences or whatever situations come up. But I think just because I was with like, I don't know, maybe if I was with just my girlfriend, I would have felt more comfortable, but I didn't want like some crazy traumatic low blood sugar emergency to happen in front of like her whole family. And they all are like, oh my God, like what is this girl on? Like, you know, cause I don't know. I just feel like I was, just, I just didn't want anything to happen. So I skipped out, <laughs> but it was totally fine. Like I had so much fun. It was also just a little bit tricky navigating Disney with type 1 diabetes as someone who likes to have really good reins on my blood sugar. Um, sometimes too much. I'm known to be a control freak with my blood sugar, but obviously it's good to take care of myself. But also with something like a chronic illness, like you can't be perfect no matter how hard you try and perfect blood sugars are never ever worth more than a happy life and if you spend your life just having perfect blood sugars you're not living life at all and so what's the point of living a long healthy life if you aren't enjoying it while you do it you know like there has to be a balance so i was being you know pretty easy on myself and trying not to be mad at myself with low blood sugars and high blood sugars and all that but it's just tricky because like at a place like disney almost everything you eat is high carb even a salad like their dressing's filled with sugar or they have like like for some reason they put grapes in their salad and if you guys didn't know grapes are like super harsh on blood sugar and it's just like things like that like just everything is high carb in some capacity and you know the more carbs you eat the more insulin you take and you know your blood sugar goes high from the carbs but then you drop low from the insulin and walking around and it's just like it's just a recipe for a roller coaster of blood sugars and it was just really exhausting and kind of frustrating especially like during the eat around the world thing like i don't know the concept of like just getting a little something here and there is like a little bit tricky if you want control over your blood sugar like yeah i could have done it and just dealt with it but it's just like like i can't just like you know have some rice and then in 30 minutes have like a couple bites of a panini and that like I can but it's just like tricky with insulin and it's like it just makes it to the point where it's like okay I'm gonna like pick and choose what I want to get like very wisely and I still had so much fun but it was just like not the same experience as if you can just like pig out and eat whatever you want and things like that you know for like I could have but like for example I started with like a, a bun like this like um teriyaki chicken bun which like teriyaki sauce has like a ton of sugar in it and like it's a bun so it's carbs and so of course my blood sugar is super high and I wanted gelato really bad but like my blood sugar was really high from the bun and I was like I don't even want to like because I get super frustrated when my blood sugar is high and so I didn't even like want to um like have gelato because I was like pissed off that my blood sugar was high it was just stuff like that but um speaking of also I'm like 
this is literally not the point of the episode at all <laughs> but um regardless i'll just we'll, we'll get into the, the meat of it soon but actually oh i was like i have no idea what i was gonna say but i remember i got my uh most recent a1c which if you guys didn't know if you guys don't know i should say what an a1c is it essentially in like layman's terms gives you a number that represents what your blood sugar has been over the last three months so like people I forget exactly what it is but like people that don't have diabetes are like I know they're under six but I don't know what the range is and then like diabetics that they consider like well-managed diabetes is like six to I don't know if it's six to eight or six to seven or something like that. And then like the higher, basically the higher your A1C is, the higher risk you are for like all the complications of diabetes. And that's like very just like layman's terms, what is an A1C? It's like more complex than that. And like, I don't know, but that's just like the basics of it. And I am very happy because my A1C is very good again and it is um the same as it was three months ago so I get it done every three months and I'm really proud of myself because I mean I'll just say the numbers but I just don't ever want first of all more importantly I don't want another diabetic to compare themselves to me because I do that and when I hear a diabetic have a lower A1C than me I get really really mad at myself and I'm like how do they do that why can't I do that like I'm not doing enough and that's just like not the case because not everyone has the same body not everyone has the same life not everyone lives the same days and everyone has the same resources like you never know and you don't know if they're spending like all their days just focusing on their blood sugar and not living life like maybe they're barely eating and it's easier for them to manage their blood sugar or like maybe they are just doing a phenomenal job but you just don't know and you just can't compare yourself because everyone is so different but um I will say my numbers because I'm proud of them and because I want to be like open with you guys and whatever but um I think I've said this online before but um I don't say it often because people like freak out when I say it but at diagnosis as you guys know I was in DKA and very close to a coma and or death and my a1c was 17 and i quickly brought that down to three months later 6.3 and ever since then every three months i've gone down so then the next three months i was 6.2 the next three months i was 6.1 the next three months i was six and then again this time i was six and i'm just very proud of myself because i've um I have never I'm sure a time will come and I'm trying to be easy on myself for like when it does but I've never gone up since I've gone down I've stayed the same like I'm at six I'm at um 6.0 still but I've never gone up and I'm very happy because I've been eating like so much gelato and I have like pizza now and every Sunday I get pastries and I you know went to Disney and I ate around the world and things like that and I ate so many things that I genuinely thought I would never be able to eat before and I'm even learning how to dose for them like gelato I am learning really well like I can dose for gelato really well and barely even experience a high blood sugar from it just because I've, I get it so much that I've gotten so good at dosing for it and like ice cream was like a no-no for me for so long because I was like so scared of it and it just feels good to like feel like I'm living my life and not and not sacrificing my a1c like I'm still I'm still very healthy. I still have my diabetes under 
pretty much as good of a rain as you can have on it. Like you, it's hard. It's really hard to be any lower than six as a diabetic and people do it. And that's who I compare myself to and cause I'm such a perfectionist with myself. But, uh, yeah, like I just, I'm very proud of myself. So that was really nice because I honestly was expecting it. Like I was trying to guess it beforehand and I guessed 6.4 and I knew I was shooting a little bit high. I thought it was going to be more like 6.1, 6.3. But I didn't want to get disappointed <laughs> by like guessing low and then it being higher. So I guessed higher and it was so much lower than I expected. And I was just really proud of myself. So I got that back yesterday and all my other blood work was good and healthy, which makes me happy because I have very, very, very bad health anxiety. And every single three months when I get my blood work done, you should feel my heart when I open my results because I always freak out worrying about my kidneys and everything. And like, I'm always afraid that there's going to be something else wrong. So it was nice to get that reassurance again that I'm doing the best I can and I'm doing well and I'm healthy. And yeah, I was dealing with some other health stuff, not directly related to diabetes, but you know, kind of related. And I, I don't feel comfortable talking, it on, talking about it online, but I was struggling with it for like a while and it was just like really impacting my mental health and just like my confidence and just everything and then I had like a weird rash I just had weird health stuff going on and I was just starting to get worried but I think it was all just kind of like weird flukes and it just was nice to get some reassurance that I am in fact healthy but with that being said um I've opened up about this a decent amount on my youtube but kind of just briefly but I have been struggling with my mental health a lot um I think it's a combination of the change all the change it's a combination of kind of like the in a weird way novelty of having type 1 diabetes wearing off like not that it was ever exciting but I lost like that initial drive and push of like it being new um kind of experienced like a burnout managing it and a frustration and I have been really really isolating myself more than I ever have and it's not even necessarily physical like I've been going out and doing more things than ever before but like I don't share anything with anyone like anything I'm feeling or thinking like I don't really talk to my friends I would say the person I talk the most like I open up the most to is my girlfriend but even then like I have trouble and I'm not talking to like family really about anything and I was like I'm just holding it in a lot and like really really struggling like I don't even know how to put depression into words but like and it's hard too because it looks like it can look so different and I think people probably look at me and don't think that that would be the case just because I think a lot of people assume people who are experiencing a depression like they um, are always on the couch and they sleep a lot and for a lot of people yes that is what it looks like but for me I don't even like I'm so hard on myself that I don't even allow myself to do that so I'm like feeling the depression but also forcing myself to be like hyper productive and I don't know if I'm like like distracting myself or what it is but like I just like I just don't slow down and from the outside I look like I'm super productive I look like I'm super put together I look like I'm like I have my you know everything figured out and I'm like happy and I'm going out and doing things but like internally I'm like screaming begging for help but I'm not reaching out and I'm not like 
showing anyone, I guess I am kind of like my friends are aware I'm really struggling, but I don't tell them anything. So like how much can they help me, you know? Um, but I did just recently start up with a new therapist and oh my gosh, you guys, I finally found a good one. (laughs) I have never really had a therapist that I loved, loved, loved. So I've had ones that I really liked, like my very first therapist I did like, but I feel like I didn't really open up too, too much because it was my first therapist and I was just like, I don't know. And I was pretty young. I was like 18, 19. And then I had another one um, and she was okay. And then I had another one who I just like, I, I liked at first and then I stopped liking her <laughs> because she just said some things where I was like, okay, that was like actually kind of rude. And she was just very like blunt and I'm just like, I'm very sensitive. So we just like didn't mesh well and she quit on me. So we have some beef going on there, but I found one that, oh my gosh, she's like an angel and she's like exactly what I need. And it's like online. So I don't have to leave my apartment and I really like her and I really like being in therapy again. So um that's been helping me but I was thinking about what I wanted to do for this episode now that I'm like done chatting your ear off and I felt like it was important for me to talk about what was important to me at this time and something that I have been feeling a lot with all of this mental health stuff is hopeless and I just think that Feeling hopeless is a really powerful, heavy thing to feel. And it feels like there's no end, there's no solution, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And you just feel so suffocated, but like so alone at the same time. And the thing is, there isn't a fix-all to this type of feeling. Like hopelessness is often a symptom of depression so you may be thinking like okay well wouldn't medicine for depression just like fix all that fix how you're feeling and sure there's medicine that you can take for depression and anxiety and things of that nature that definitely may help you feel a bit helpless but depression is not the only thing that can cause you to feel hopeless and helpless so maybe you're struggling with a lack of confidence that can make you feel hopeless Uh, Maybe you're having trouble finding a job. That can make you feel hopeless. Maybe you aren't able to find friends that you mesh well with. Like that can make you feel hopeless. Maybe you're going on a million dates and no one seems to be worth a second date. That can make you hopeless. There's so many external and environmental and situational situations that can lead you to feeling helpless and hopeless outside of depression like it is depression is not the only reason that people feel hopeless and helpless and I think also it can be a mix like you can be struggling with depression and other situations and you just end up being like processing it all as one massive feeling of hopelessness so yes in some cases medicine could help you feel less hopeless And I don't want to like diminish that or, you know, think, have you guys think that I'm saying like, oh, you're feeling hopeless, do this and you're, you're cured. Like if you have like a chemical imbalance, like that's very serious and maybe you do need medication for that. So I'm not trying to say like medication is not an answer. It definitely is an answer for a lot of people, but in a lot of other cases that isn't necessarily true. And 
I think that's kind of what I've been feeling recently, like a mix of hopelessness from depression and then a mix of hopelessness from numerous different external situations in my life. And it's like both internal and external hopelessness, which is just like a big old clusterfuck of hopelessness. So what do we do when this is something we're feeling? Like if there's no fix-all, how are we supposed to escape this feeling of hopelessness? And in all honesty, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. It's so different from person to person. However, I really do believe that there are things you can do day-to-day to redirect your mind away from that overwhelming feeling. So you're going to feel it regardless, but you might as well you know, do things that take your mind off of it for a bit and things like that. So I made a list of some things that I do to help take my mind off of feeling hopeless so that maybe you guys could get some ideas or inspo and you guys can carry that into your own life and kind of apply it where needed or like where it makes sense for you. This is Soph's list of things that make me feel a little bit less hopeless. <laughs> Number one, doing it right now. Having a good cup of coffee. It can be at home, it can be going out to a coffee shop, it can be a latte, it can be a cold brew, it can be a hot coffee. For me, it doesn't matter as long as it's what I'm craving in the moment and it tastes yummy. It sounds dumb (laughs) and little and insignificant, but it really does just make me so happy. And the act of making or getting coffee, the smell of it brewing, the first sip, the little rush of happiness I get when the caffeine starts to kick in, it just makes me happy. And I know people are going to argue like caffeine's a drug and that's like not a healthy healthy coping mechanism. And you know what? There are far worse drugs I could be distracting myself with. So (laughs) I think I'm just fine. Like I'm doing just fine enjoying a nice cup of coffee. Okay. But it's, it seems so insignificant. It seems so little. It seems so dumb, but just doing it makes me happy. And it's just like that little thing I need to make me feel just a little bit less hopeless. Number two going on a walk. And I've always really liked walks, of course, but lately they've just been really, really, and I mean really, really, (laughs) really, really, really helping me with my mental health and giving me the distraction that my mind needs. Even just like a 10 to 15 minute walk outside, breathing in the fresh air can completely change how I'm feeling. And Sometimes I'll put headphones in and listen to a podcast or some music, but honestly lately like all I've been wanting to do is a silent walk as I call it. So I just I just walk with Augie of course, but without any noise besides the noise from outside. And it just makes me feel refreshed and often I literally feel like I can breathe better during and after my walk. Like The longer the walk, the better, to be honest. And I don't know, walking has just been so good for my mind and my body. Number three is cooking. So over the last couple of years or so, I have felt really in love with cooking. You guys know. I have found that cooking is one of the most therapeutic activities for me in my brain. I don't know, like when I cook, all I'm thinking about is what seasonings I need to add, how long I should cook the meat, how long I should roast the vegetables for, etc. Like things like that. And it's rewarding 
It gives me a purpose. And when I'm feeling hopeless, I often find myself thinking like, what's the point? What's the point to anything, you know? But that's the thing with cooking. There's always a point to cooking. Like you cook because you're going to eat it. You cook, you eat. Like it's pretty simple. And that's just the nature of it. You cook so that you can eat. That is the point of cooking. And there's always a reward to cooking. The food you cooked, like that's a reward. It is guaranteed. It's creative. It's time consuming. It's rewarding. Like you learn as you go. It just feels so good to my brain and distracts me and kind of just gives me a purpose when I am feeling hopeless. Number four is reading. Reading is another thing I've incorporated into my life more recently. Um, I've gone through phases in the past, but recently, I don't know, it's felt more permanent. I think because I'm realizing how beneficial it is for me and my brain and like I'm feeling the benefits of it. So lately, every night when I get into bed, instead of going on my phone, I read at least a chapter of my book, at least one chapter. And oftentimes I end up reading a lot more than that, but I always tell myself I need to read at least one chapter. And I started doing this because my feelings of hopelessness are always intensified at night. And that's how it's been like kind of my whole life. And scrolling on my phone in bed for hours and hours was not helping even a little. Like it was just making it worse because my mind would race as soon as I tried to fall asleep, hyper fixating on like how hopeless I felt. And then I would start to feel hopeless that I couldn't fall asleep. And it would just spiral me into feeling even more hopeless, you know? And I don't know, like when I read, all my brain can think about is the words I'm reading and the story that it's like my brain is trying to process until my eyes get heavy and my body is like, girl, go to sleep. Like my eyes don't get tired like that when I'm scrolling on my phone. When I read, like my eyes get so tired. I I fall asleep reading my book like almost every night. And I don't have time to spiral into hopelessness because I read until I physically cannot keep my eyes open anymore. And then I sleep. And sleep is, you know, one of the one places where you get a real break from your hopelessness. And also, side note, but I fall asleep so much quicker when I read. Like, I probably only read for like 10, 15 minutes and then I'm out. And if I scroll on my phone, like, I'm up for a couple hours in bed. Like, I really am. But the nights I read, I'm out so quickly, you guys. And when I put my book down, I'm out. Like, lights out. When I put my phone down, give me 30. Like, I, I, it takes me a while, you know? And the fifth and final thing on this list is what I call resting and nesting. So this is a little strategy that I kind of coined myself recently and I think it has a nice little ring to it, (laughs) but resting and nesting is basically just what it sounds like. So essentially all it is, is spending time in my own space with myself and my dog and my belongings and everything that brings me comfort where I can be hundred percent me without the opinions or judgments of the outside world or really anyone at all like it's just me myself and I and the comfort of my own home and my dog I like candles I get into my biggest comfiest ugliest clothes I eat foods that make me happy and satisfy any cravings I'm having and I just rot on the couch I watch crime documentaries I scroll on my phone I listen to my favorite music or I watch musicals I just rot in my own space with the comfort of myself and behold resting and nesting like it's like such a simple concept but when you're so go 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 like I am like taking a night to rot and rest and nest is like 
so therapeutic and really does just distract me and like give my brain the little break that it needs so no there isn't a fix all to feeling hopeless but there are things you can do that can help even just one percent and to me knowing that I can do things that can at the very least distract me from these overwhelming feelings it just makes me feel a little bit less hopeless you know and one last thing I try to remind myself is that there have been times in the past when I have felt hopeless and there have been times in the past where I have not felt hopeless so therefore hopelessness isn't permanent it isn't forever it won't be as overwhelming as it is today every day for the rest of my life it comes in waves it ebbs and flows just like everything else in life and trusting that I will not always feel as hopeless as I do right now has been my saving grace I just have to trust the ebbs and flows of my life and that includes um feeling hopelessness so that is everything that I have for today's episode. I really hope that you guys enjoyed. I felt very connected to this episode because it is just so prominent in my life. And like, these are things that I'm actively doing every day to kind of keep myself afloat and try to give myself some extra love and extra support. Like these are the things that make me feel supported. So maybe these things don't necessarily work for you, but maybe they helped you think of some ideas that would work for you or maybe you haven't tried you know going on walks or maybe you haven't tried reading before bed and maybe then you guys can give it a try and see how you feel and see if it helps distract you at all or maybe even just like give you little glimpses of happiness if you are feeling a little bit hopeless a little bit down in the dumps a little bit lost in life so yeah hope you guys enjoyed i love you all so much make sure you follow me on all of my other social media it's always in the description of every episode but it's just at sofmosca on everything besides snapchat is s-o-p-h-e-r-r-r and with all that being said i love you all so much and i will talk to you so super soon in the next episode bye